Hey, what's going on, everybody? I am your host, Armand Lee, and thank you so much for listening in to another episode of the Quarterly Report podcast. Fun show this week. NBA conference finals are going on, and to discuss the Celtics in the Eastern Conference playoffs, Tyler James from the Celtics and Chill podcast. He's going to stop by to break down all things Boston Celtics, including the future for this team. Also, Sports gambling has been legalized and is coming to a state near you. But what does this mean? Not to your individual pockets, but to the pockets of the owners and players of the NBA. I've got some interesting ideas on what this all may mean for the future of my favorite sport. All of that and so much more. But first, our number one topic this week. First quarter. The NBA playoffs are down to their final four. And... You know, during this time, takes get hotter and hotter, you know, because they're not that much. There's not that much to talk about. Um, Football season is kind of at their lowest point in terms of intrigue. Unfortunately, there are not enough people who intelligently can speak about hockey in their playoffs. So, you know, the big time shows don't even really discuss hockey. And then baseball, there's still like 5,000 games left to be played before the playoffs. So, there's nothing really to to get all hot and worked up about unless there's like a huge no-hitter or somebody's on the tear uh, from, you know, a batting or home run perspective, right? But there's nothing really interesting to talk about in baseball this early. So this time of the year, the hot takes are flying every year. Every year there's something new and there's something, you know, because it's a one-upsmanship. All these shows, 30 minutes or they're an hour, two hours long. So they got to fill in time. And unfortunately for us, the viewer, they, they take up that time just throwing out just the most ridiculous sports takes. Not because I don't even think they, they honestly feel this way, but they got to take up time. And one of the more absurd sports takes in recent years happened just last year. And it involves the Boston Celtics again. I'm going to be chatting with Tyler James from the Celtics and Chill podcast later in the show. But do you guys remember? It was just last year, but it feels so long ago. And because it was so ridiculous and it was instantly, instantly a ridiculous take. The people won't even, they won't even admit to actually feeling this way. But man, check your timelines. Old uh, cold takes, freezing cold takes exposed. Last year, there were people saying how Brad Stevens was one of the biggest problems with the Celtics. I remember responding to some of them just like, yo, there's no way, there's no conceivable way that what is wrong with Boston, quote unquote, wrong with Boston has anything to do with Brad Stevens. In fact, he's what's right. And this was, I want to say this is once they started 0-2 versus Chicago and out of the woodworks, people were calling on Brad because up until that point, I don't believe he had won a playoff series yet. And people, you know, the buzzards, they were out. They were circling them. They thought he was dead to the world. And just a year later, we're talking, there are people, right, respected basketball minds I know, who are saying that Greg Popovich, the greatest professional basketball coach of all time, hadn't won with less, hadn't won more with less than Brad Stevens. Literally comparing Brad Stevens to Greg Popovich. And here's the scary thing. I don't even think the comparison is that absurd. It's a little quick. It's a little early. Right. 
But Brad Stevens is an amazing head coach, and it has been obvious for the past three, four seasons. But last year, just 12, 13, 13 or so months ago, people were talking about how he may be a problem in Boston, how he was overrated. <laughs> it's absurd, man, but this is part of the best, the NBA dialogue. This is part of the NBA society, apparently. Just the takes they come every year and they don't stop. And you just have, you can get caught up. Like you could be in a whirlwind of like, yo, is this really happening? And as a perfect example, right? Because the beat doesn't stop this year. We now have a new super dumb hot take that is floating around your timeline because it's floating around my timeline. And it started by, again, another person who's respected. You know, I can't lie. I read his articles. Grantland used to be my stuff. I listen to some of the Ringers podcasts. Bill Simmons starts this thing, or at least he was the first person, but I've seen it. Other people kind of take this idea as well, this thinking. And there, and it, it was essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, but, you know, I don't want to hear LeBron James complain about not having help. And then to illustrate that, they look at the Cavs roster and their payroll and compare it to Boston's payroll of just their active players, right? So they're not taking Kyrie and Gordon Hayward into account because they're not playing. So they're just taking into account the guys on the Celtics who are playing now and how significant Cleveland's, you know, payroll is compared to Boston's, like significantly higher. And, you know, yeah, that's a cool tweet. But, like, come on, y'all. <laughs> like, we have to do better. We have to do better. If you know someone who has tweeted or retweeted this similar thought, as a friend, you kind of got to, like, slap them in the face just to wake them up out of whatever stupor they're in. Because this, we like, we'll never progress, right, as a, as a sporting fan base if this type of dumb thought continues to permeate. Like, I don't even know how this is a thing. You can't seriously be comparing the talent of the Celtics to that of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And if you're doing so just by the payroll, look how easily you could throw an asteroid-sized hole in this argument, right? I'm a Knicks fan. You all know this. Joe Kim Noah makes like $16 million a year. Joe Kim Noah makes more money than Donovan Mitchell, Ben Simmons, uh... Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum. None of them, you would say, is a worse player than Joe Kim Noah. So just because a player gets more money, right, especially considering how jacked up the NBA's rookie scale deals are, right, when you come into the league, no matter how great you are, you're getting less than essentially everybody except for the very worst players in the league, right? We, we could actually talk about how unfair the rookie scale wages are, but that's a whole nother topic. I don't want to get off track on this, right? But if your argument is that LeBron has so much help because the, his teammates are getting paid more money than that of the, the, the players on the Celtics team, well, then just ask yourself this. If because you get paid more money, that means you are a better player, ask yourself this. Who's better, Donovan Mitchell or Joe Kim Noah? Well, let's keep it to Utah. Who would you rather have, Donovan Mitchell or Derek Favors? Because Derek Favors makes way more money. 
Who would you rather have? J.J. Reddick or Ben Simmons? Because J.J. Reddick makes 20 plus million dollars. Way more money than Ben Simmons. You go down the list. Marcus Morris or Jason Tatum? <laughs> you know what I mean? The idea that because you get paid more money, you are a better player is the core argument of this LeBron can't complain about not having help. You know, that's of that of that idea, the core argument, the core point is because LeBron's teammates get paid more money than the team of the players on Boston, LeBron has to have more help. And that's just stupid. The NBA is how how old, right? What? 80, 80, 80 years or so, approximately 80 years. For the entirety of the league history. There have been dumb teams making dumb decisions and maybe never more than the period of time we're living in right now. There are dumb decisions made every single year in the NBA by 90% of the teams. Hell, even the smart teams make dumb moves. Trading for Carmelo Anthony and his $28 million player option. That ring a bell, right? So the idea that LeBron doesn't have help because his team and his teammates get paid more money is stupid. But it, let's, let, let's, let, let's even walk away from that. Let's say, let's say that the league is having a league-wide like, redo, right? And everybody's contract is voided. Everybody who's still playing in this league, right? And everyone could get paid. So there is no rookie scale. So the contract's avoided and there is no rookie scale. After LeBron, how many Celtics are you taking before you get to Kevin Love? Obviously, if the Celtics and the Cavaliers roster, if like you could pick from those two rosters, right? Everybody's available. Obviously, LeBron goes number one. But after LeBron, I know I'm taking Jalen, Al Horford, and Tatum before I take Kevin Love. And here's the crazy thing. If we're basing it just off these playoffs, Terry Rozier is having a better postseason than Kevin Love is. I'm not saying Terry Rozier is a better player than Kevin Love. There are a lot of things that are factoring in. Kevin Love apparently has some ligament damage in one of his hands. He's hurt every single playoffs. The act is getting old, bro. It really is. But whatever. I'm not going to knock a, knock a brother because he's hurt. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's lame to me. But if we're being honest, the, these playoffs, Terry Rozier has been a better basketball player than Kevin Love. But let's just say it's three guys. We'll, we'll look at the three guys. Al Horford is getting a max contract. Yes. Jalen Brown is on his rookie scale deal. He's not making that much, relatively speaking. Okay, he's making like probably three, four million dollars. That's a lot of money. Lord knows I love to make that much money in a year. Right? But relatively speaking, Jalen, Jason Tatum's making like three million dollars. So Al Horford is getting big, big bucks. But the next two guys, they're on their rookie scale deal. And hell, Let's say you take Rozier before you love. Rozier is on his rookie scale deal too. So just because they're they're in a system, they're in a structured structured environment where they can't make you know big time money, doesn't mean that somehow Kyle Korver and J.R. Smith and Tristan Thompson are better than those players because they're off their rookie scale deal. I mean the whole argument makes no sense. So I'm pleading. I'm pleading with us, everybody. Y'all know I love the NBA. If you're listening to this show, I'm assuming you love the NBA or like the NBA to some degree, right? 
But if you are an NBA fan, yo, we got to stop with the hot takes. I mean, look, if you want to go how LeBron is better than Michael Jordan or Kobe is better than Jordan and LeBron or whatever the hot take, you want to go down that line, down that road, God bless you. But when it comes to stuff like this, when it comes to once the playoffs have begun and we're talking about how Brad Stevens may be the Celtics problem last year, this is a year ago. People were saying that Brad Stevens may be Boston's problem. And now we're saying because the Celtics payroll of their active players, right, is so low relative to Cleveland's that LeBron has more help. Come on, man. Wash your face, shut your mouth, and get your head together. We gotta do we gotta do better. This can't be allowed, man. For the sake of all things NBA, we should demand better of ourselves. So again, if you got a homeboy or a homegirl, your friend, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, whatever the case may be, if you see them saying that, smack them. Let them know. Shake them. I'm not going. I'm not saying shake or smack your girlfriend. Obviously, if it's your girlfriend saying this, say, "Baby, we gotta talk about this." But if it's your homeboy, slap him. If it's your brother, steal him in the chest, shake his ass up, man. Let him know, bro. This ain't it. You're doing it out of love. You're doing it out of love because we can't be talking this dumbness, man. Brad Stevens is not the problem with the Celtics, and LeBron James does not have nearly as much talent on his roster the Boston Celtics. Come on, bro. Come on, Slim. All right. I got that off my chest. Again, remember, we're going to be talking more Boston Celtics later in the show with Tyler James from the Celtics and Chill podcast. Also, you can follow him on the Celtics social uh, Twitter handle as well. But we got more sports and more topics to come. This time, we're going to step into the squared circle for our second topic this week. Second quarter. It was a massive success this weekend for ESPN and top-ranked promotions. As Vasily Lomachenko and Jorge Linares had, I mean, a fantastic fight. There were some uh, issues with the call, and I'll get to ESPN, specifically Joe Tessitore's um, performance Saturday night, if you will. But the fight itself, man, the fight was amazing. And again, you see why Lomachenko is such a special boxer, man. He's, he's without a doubt, I mean, you can make the case for Terrence Crawford, but the fact is Terrence Crawford is moving up in weight, you know. Uh, so we don't know what he looks like at 147. At 140, he had unified all the titles, and that was kind of his, his calling card if you wanted to have Bud uh, pound for pound number one. But watching Lomachenko, and Lomachenko gets in there with dogs. Like, Lenars is no joke. One of the reasons why I hated Tessator's call so much is because if you did not know better, and if you watched that fight Saturday night with the volume on, you would have thought that Lenares was getting demolished. That was a close fight before the 10th round. And Lomachenko obviously put him down with a, a liver shot. I mean, it was, it was impressive. It was just so amazing. And it drew big numbers. It's the biggest... Um, it's the most watched fight on cable or uh, premium cable TV this year. Um, it was the biggest fight I think Top Rank has had since their initial fight. Definitely the biggest fight in 2018. It drew over a million viewers. And again, the partnership with Bob Arum and ESPN was impressive. 
and it's paying off dividends. ESPN going up. I mean, again, Saturday night. Now, there wasn't any NBA playoffs, but there was NHL playoffs. There was a UFC event. And the top-ranked card won the night on cable. That fight delivered over a million viewers, which is crazy for a boxing fight. Uh, and a guy that, you know, Lomachenko, if you are a fan of the sport, you know how great and how special he is. But I don't know how how big his name rings out to just your casual sports fan. But, man, it was an amazing performance despite the awful call. But it leads me to, to talk about, again, top rank is led by Bob Arum. Bob Arum is a promoter. He's promoted some of the best fighters of this era, whether we're talking to uh, De La Hoya, Floyd, Cotto. Now he's got the two best fighters in the world. He's got Lomachenko and he's got Terrence Crawford. But, man, he everything he's doing right as it pertains to Lomachenko I question what the hell he's doing when it comes to Crawford. Terrence Crawford, like I said, he's moving up to welterweight. And his first fight is, I want to say this is in June. I think middle of June, maybe early July. But I want to say early in June, middle June, against uh, Joe Horn. You guys, the name is familiar. Joe Horn, he's the guy, the Australian who beat Manny Pacquiao last year, in which was... Many people deemed a controversial fight. I don't think the fight was that controversial. Um, I wasn't expecting Horn to get the decision, but he got it, and that fight was close as well. But neither neither here nor there. Terrence Crawford's first fight at 147 is a championship fight versus a guy who's not very good and has a belt, but it's not a real legitimate title at 147. Like When you think of the, the best welterweights, Joe Horn, maybe. I don't even know if Joe Horn is, a, is in the top 10, honestly, to be to be honest. And that's not to discredit his title, but he doesn't have a real welterweight championship, but one that anyone recognizes, if that makes sense. But it's a chance to see one of the best two fighters in the world on ESPN, except ESPN pulled the carpet from underneath you. It's not going to be on regular ESPN. It's on ESPN Plus, the new premium ESPN outlet that you have to subscribe to that's like $5 a month. Man, what the hell are they doing with Bud? The idea of Top Rank was to get Lomachenko and Bud and some of their younger fighters, up-and-coming fighters, as much exposure as possible. You're going to put Bud on this premium service that no one's going to buy? I'm a huge boxing fan. Bro, I'm not spending no $5 to watch Bud beat up Joe Horn. It just doesn't make any sense. And this is the second time Aram has done this when it comes to Crawford. But I say Bud, that's his nickname, Terrence Crawford. When I say Bud, I'm referring to Terrence Crawford. You guys remember Victor Postal, that was a huge fight. This is like two, three years ago now. And everybody was excited about it. This is one of the first titles that Terrence Crawford, as he was trying to unify. And it was a huge fight. And although it was a huge fight, two great fighters, two legit Titleist, like two legit boxer punchers, like a fun fight. Aram rushed it to pay-per-view. And again, I love Terrence Crawford. And at the time, Victor Postal was one of the best, you know, fighters also. But I wasn't spending no $50 to watch that fight. This is back when Top Rank was still had their deal on HBO. So I'd find out who win, and then I'd watch the fight the following week. But you, 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 you're cutting off 
you like the legs. You're calling off Terrence Crawford at the legs because he's not getting the exposure. I'm a diehard boxing fan, and I'm not spending $5 a month to see Terrence Crawford fight Joe Horn. Partly because I'm just not going to do it. Secondly, maybe even more importantly, because Joe Horn is not worth my dollars. Like, I don't want to see. If you were telling me that Crawford was going to fight Sean Porter or Errol, man, look. If Sean, if Errol Spence and Terrence Crawford got it on, take take my wallet, okay? I'd pay whatever to see it. That's a different interpromotional type of thing. That's not going to happen. But you get my point. There's no way in the world Joe Horn lasts four rounds versus Terrence Crawford. It's just not going to happen. He's just not even in the same class in spite of the fact that it's Crawford's first fight at 147. It doesn't matter. He's just a superior boxer, superior fighter, probably already has superior power. Okay, but the point is, seeing Terrence Crawford on ESPN beat up Joe Horn for free, essentially, right outside of your normal package, whatever you, you what you pay for your cable, that's one thing. Like we just got to see an amazing fight between Lomachenko and Lenares, and that was for free. Eight o'clock, turn on the broadcast, despite the fact that the call was awful. Right, you saw great top-notch skill, top-notch boxing at the highest form. And then that, in turn, will make you more likely to see Lomachenko the next time. If you watch that fight, there's no way you come out of it not impressed. And because it was for Linares' title, right, there's probably a rematch clause. So you see the two guys fight again. And that was a that was a hell of a fight on Saturday night. So again, if you're flipping the channels, maybe not a huge boxing fan, but you just land on it and you're seeing the action, okay, oh, Oh, this is that Lomachenko guy they always talk about. Let me see what he looks like. And then you watch, if you watch that fight for a round, you were hooked. It was that good. And the way it ended, sensational. So now, because you don't have to pay any extra for it, you may be more inclined to watch it the next time. And that's how you build your fighter. That's how you build fans, not just the diehards, right? Because the diehards are going to be there regardless. That's how you get casual fans to be like, oh, I like Lomachenko. You know, he's got a fun nickname, High Tech. Same thing happened with Golovkin. I killed the Golovkin fight two weeks ago. But that fight did numbers on HBO premium cable, mind you. But it doesn't matter because Golovkin has a certain fan base that will watch him beat up on, you know, a homeless person, man. It will beat up on an elderly person. It doesn't matter. The competition doesn't need to exist. People will watch Gennady Golovkin beat me up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because he has a certain fan base that will watch him because he has produced action-packed fights. That's exactly what Lomachenko does, and his fan base will continue to grow. Unfortunately, Terrence Crawford, he has action-packed fights as well. He's got far more power than Lomachenko does, so that means you have more. Um, the potential for a KO is higher when you watch Bud, and Bud is nasty. Bud is mean, man. He tries to beat He tries to beat people up. But instead, you are going to have people charge $5 to watch him fight a bum. It just doesn't make any sense. Lomachenko fought a champion, a legit champion, a top fighter, and that was for free. You're going to put Bud on versus Horn and charge people $5? I don't have a major. I don't have a degree in business, but that just seems ass backwards, man. It doesn't make any sense. So shout out to Top Rank 
I know them and ESPN are celebrating the numbers and they celebrate the product, the in-ring product between Lenars and Lomachenko, and I'm hoping for a rematch. But, man, I, I got a question. What the hell y'all think it will bud, man? Because y'all keep on treating him like chopped liver, and he's not going to be able to – he's not going to be able to grow if you keep on having him, if you keep on chopping his legs from underneath him. And if you're Aram, you need to heed this because the last thing you want, and I don't know what Bud's contract situation looks like, but if he gets up out of top rank and he goes to uh, PBC and Al Heyman gets his hands on him, I mean, he's already fighting at 147. And all the top 147 fighters, all of them, are Showtime PBC Al Heyman fighters. So if Aram lose Bud, man, that may be the death blow. But congratulations to Top Rank and to Vizali Lomachenko, man, for putting on the show Saturday night. I hope you guys saw it. If you didn't, you missed a hell of a fight. And if you did see it, don't worry. That rematch is coming. But also, and this is going to lead me to halftime. So you hear the horn there. But also, there's no way we could talk about Saturday night without talking about Joe Tessitore. Good God, man. Slim, what the hell? And I, look... I'm not on the whole calling people out. You know, I have a lot of fun, you know, sports wings to all that type of stuff. But that's all in jest. Look, man, that guy, I have a, I'm sure he put a lot of work and a lot of effort into doing this call. He's he's going to be the play-by-play guy for Monday Night Football this upcoming season, okay? So this is not me trying to rag on this dude, man, whatever. But I'm sure if he listened to that fight, he knew that he was – he was awful, man. It sounded like listening to Lomachenko's daddy call a Lomachenko fight. In fact, I'm sure Lomachenko's daddy would be far more objective than Tessator was on Saturday. It was it was listening to a fan call Lomachenko fight. <laughs> Lenar, again, that fight was close heading into the 10th. And obviously, Lomachenko put Lenars down with the body shot, stopped the fight. It was, you know, knocked him out. But that fight was close leading into the 10th, and you would have never guessed it had you not known better because all Tessator talked about was the dancing lessons that Lomachenko, the speed that Lomachenko, the body, all this other stuff. Lenaris knocked down Lomachenko for the first time in his career. And at that point, you were like, oh, damn, Tessator actually has to talk about that now because up until that fight, up until that knockdown, Lenaris hits him with combinations, works the body, the whole nine, and Tessitore is not even – Lenaris had an amazing combination early in the, in, in the fight, and Tessitore didn't say a word about it, just dead air. And I'm like, bro, why are you so biased? I'm a Lomachenko fan. I was rooting for Lomachenko to win. You know, I was cheering for Lomachenko, but listening to Tessitore, it was almost like – Dog, I, I don't want Lomachenko to win now because it was so annoying. I'm not being hyperbolic at all. If you listen to the fight, and if you did listen to the fight, please let me know your thoughts as well. If you saw the fight, excuse me. Email me at quarterlyshow at gmail.com. That's quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, show at gmail.com. Or tweet at me at quarterlyshow. Again, that's quarterlyshow. Um... But yeah, man. So I'm watching the fight, and I'm. I, it was like I couldn't believe that this was going on, and it wasn't just for a round 
or two rounds. It was the entire fight. The entire fight. He was just get. It was like he was the number one Lomachenko fan. Like he had posters in his bedroom or something. And it got me thinking, and this is going to be halftime this week. Joe Tessitore is going to be calling Monday Night Football games this week, this year. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if he takes that type of broadcasting, that type of play calling for a boxing fight to the NFL Monday Night Football booth where he's outwardly cheering for just one team? If you can't imagine, you're in luck. Because I think it goes a little bit like this. Hello and good evening, everyone. I'm Joe Tessitore here in beautiful Los Angeles as we get set to bring to you a huge AFC West showdown between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm joined by Jason Witten and Booger McFarlane. And guys, when you talk about the Chargers, you got to talk about the beautiful, wonderful, amazing, talented quarterback, Phillip Rivers. Jason, how in the world can you stay focused when a quarterback like Phillip Rivers is throwing you the ball. I mean, it's hard for me to stay focused just looking at him right now. <laughs> Joe, that's really weird. And it's not hard to stay focused because we're getting paid to do our jobs. Chill out a little bit, guys. <laughs> okay, well, maybe my excitement is getting the best of me. But how couldn't anyone be excited with these two teams getting ready for action? Let's go down to the field. First and 10, Rivers in a shotgun, drops back in. Just look at him. Look at the way he moves. Look at the way he operates in the pocket. And that is an incomplete pass. But it's the greatest looking incomplete pass that I think we've ever seen on Monday Night Football. What do you think, Booker? Man, I think your ass is crazy. Nobody's trying to hear that. Again, man, I'm not trying to take shots at the guy. You know, shout out to Joe Tessitore. It's a huge moment for him, right, man? He's, he's about to be play-by-play -play for Monday Night Football. That's a huge accomplishment for anybody in the business. And, you know... He was thrusted upon to do this top rank. Again, it's a huge opportunity to call the Sally Lomachenko, Manny Pacquiao, and Terrence Crawford fights. So, again, I'm not taking shots at the guy, you know, whatever. But come on, Joe. Like, we can't, like what happened last Saturday, just it should be unacceptable. If you're a boxing fan, you saw it, you know it was a mess. Even if you're a Lomachenko fan, you were like, come on, Joe. Like, you're getting a little bit carried away. And, you know, with his new job coming up in the fall, that was just like a PSA. You know what I'm talking about? Like, Joe, for real, you got to clean that up, man, because people may take it. People may allow it in boxing, right? But the audience, the spotlight is such so much brighter on Monday Night Football, man. Don't don't go out here cheering on, you know, Tom Brady, Phillip Rivers, and, you know, Dak Prescott just because, you know, because that'll get annoying real quick, okay? So that's my public service announcement to Joe Tessitore, man. No shots, no shade. Just come on, man. Tighten up, baby. All right. We're going to tighten up because we just had our halftime adjustments. I got two quarters left, starting with a special guest this week, breaking down the surprising Boston Celtics. It's our third topic this week. Third with the Boston Celtics essentially being the story of the playoffs, who better to discuss all things Boston Celtics than Tyler James? He's from the Celtics and Chill podcast. You can listen to it, subscribe to it, download it. On Apple Podcasts, iTunes, the whole nine. Make sure you follow him on Twitter at TylerJamesNBA. Tyler, what's going on? And thank you so much for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. No, man. My pleasure. Thanks for joining me. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. 
So let's get right to it. Um, since the first game of the year, Gordon Hayward was down five minutes into the season. And since then, the Celtics have seemingly lost big-time player after big-time player to injury after injury and haven't missed a step. And you got to give credit to Brad Stevens. Now, we all know the team has a ton of assets, whether it's young players, future picks, all-stars, etc. But I kind of think that Brad Stevens may be atop the list in terms of the Celtics' assets. So as someone who covers the team, watches the team, where would you rank Brad Stevens among the, the Celtics' biggest assets? Man, it's just it's so tough because how do you compare players and coaches as far as ranking assets? We usually don't have to do something like this. Like, right. You know, in the regular NBA, there has been those amazing coaches, you know, Popovich, Bill Jackson, the guys where sometimes they do outweigh their players. But it's very rare. Uh, right. Assets-wise, as hard as it is to compare – I call it the Brad effect, man. I haven't seen many players, and I don't think we talked about it on our podcast. I don't think there's really one you can name that's left Brad Stevens and become better. Kelly Olynyk has been about the same. Jay Crowder obviously got worse with the Cavs, and then, you know, he's, he's getting a little better with Utah. And then, you know, it's just everybody who plays under Brad, he gets the best out of them. Um, he's so just level-minded. I would rank him – at least in the top three of our assets, because it's hard to rank him above someone like Kyrie or even Tatum, who's a future star. But right now, man, especially with the performance, um, he, he, he claims he doesn't get, he gets too much credit. I disagree as we have a lot of talent. We have a lot of talent on this Celtics roster, but the way he manages them, he, he might be our top asset. He might be our MVP of the playoffs, to be honest with you. Once again, guys, I'm joined by Tyler James. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Tyler James NBA. He's one of the hosts of the Celtics and Chill podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe and download that on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. And, you know, it's weird, man, because – I agree with you, but I'm, I'm, I'm usually the person who always tends with talent. Like, give me the talent, and I'll figure everything else out. But like you said, man, players leave Brad Stevens, and then they fall off a cliff. Isaiah Thomas was a second-team All-NBA last year, just last year. And I doubt that he ever reaches those type of uh, acclaim or that, that type of level again in his career. It's really amazing when you look at Boston and how – Beyond the talent, because obviously they are a talented team, but they're always ready. They're always prepared, and that has to that has to be uh, attributed to coaching. It, it 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 has to be a little bit of a mix of the talent. But okay, Jalen Brown, he had a decent rookie year, and he's made a huge leap. Tatum, I do think, is of different nature. He was my second favorite player in the draft, besides Markel Fultz. I'm still, you know, you know, I don't know what Philly's doing with Fultz right now. I still think Fultz right. is going to be a good player. But Tatum Tatum was my guy besides Fultz. Um, and he has the talent. He stepped in, and he, you could tell he was ready to play. But uh, the credit still has to partially go to Steven. Steven started Tatum first game, even with Hayward um, on the court. And um, it's something I want to talk about, I think, when we talk about a little later about the Warriors because how this starting lineup lines up, I think it's absolutely perfect next year for the Celtics, but it really is the Brad Stevens effect. I think he, he doesn't get enough credit in the coaches of the year. Um, the yeah, fact that right. they voted, they, they voted for a guy that's getting fired, which I don't believe he should have got fired, but it's when it's, it's, it's when is he going to get his credit? And then also 
we compare it to Bill Belichick a lot. He hasn't won those championships yet, but he kind of has the same feeling. And as a Knicks fan, I kind of want to ask you, do you guys see the Patriots and Celtics kind of lining up as this, you know, team that no one knows how they're doing it, but they're dominating somehow? Wow. Oh, man, that's kind of tricky um, because we have the luxury of hindsight as it pertains to the Patriots. You know, they drafted arguably the greatest football player ever in the sixth round. And, you know, when he was coming up, you know, they, they were a defensive heavy team and they flipped assets like a year before the cliff, like before they started to fall off and they acquired so many picks and everything like that. So in a lot of ways, yeah, the, the acquiring of assets um, is kind of like uh, the Celtics. The Celt- there's a parallel there. Um, but, you know, also with Boston, you know, and this is not to discredit Danny Ainge because he's done a lot of great moves since then. But you can trace everything, everything positive Celtics related, like all the fruits of their labor. Now, you could still trace back to, I guess, what, 10, 12 years ago in the, the Kevin McHale trade, right? You know, trading Kevin Garnett to Boston just changed everything for the franchise, for the Celtics franchise. And, you know, Kevin McHale just goes down, you know, first ballot homeboy Hall of Famer, you know what I mean, for giving one of the best players to the Celtics. Uh, for nothing really, and that just changed the trajectory of the team and how we view Danny Ainge and the the organization as a whole. Exactly, and and it does seem like you know you don't want to throw around the genius, I, the genius word around too much for coaches, but this young, there wasn't really a rebuilding period. He had that one year when we right. had guys like Jameer Nelson, and we had guys you know and we did the Jerry Wallace trade. But I want to get back to your little Nets comment because it, it, Mikhail did us a solid. But let's not yeah. forget, when we made that Nets trade, which led to Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Kyrie Irving, technically, it led to all three of those guys. All of them, right. When we made that Nets trade, it wasn't, you know, a favored trade. For Especially, I heard uh, the owner of the Celtics on the podcast, they were going for a pick or two. Uh, on a podcast with Bill Simmons recently, they were going for a pick or two, and supposedly the owner said, go for another pick. And then he went to the Nets, and he said, go for another pick. And supposedly they got two or three more picks. But wow. even then, we weren't sure about that Nets trade because we thought Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett would dominate with the Nets, and they'd be contenders right. for years. But they blew their whole team up and ruined things for the team, which in turn made Danny Ainge look like a genius. So he's made these couple moves. Rozier, uh, I know you want to talk about him, but – that's another one right there. He, he, right. He, he's definitely earning his keep, Danny Ainge, for sure, since 2002 or 2003 when, when he started. Once again, guys, I'm joined by Tyler James. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Tyler James NBA. He's the host of the Celtics and Chill podcast, man, a really fun podcast. Also a really fun follow on Twitter. He also does some stuff at Celtics Social, so you follow them on Twitter as well. Again, at Celtics Social for all you Celtics fans out there, and good Lord knows that y'all are all over the place. And uh, so, Tyler, I want to move on. Like, you, you said it perfectly. It sets up perfectly to this next question. Um, you know, me and a few of my buddies used to always laugh uh, during out, throughout the season. Anytime the Celtics would be mentioned in a potential trade for, like, a marquee player, you know, all, all the people I know who are Celtics fans, they'd say, you know what, just throw in a uh, first-round pick in Terry Rozier as if, you know, Terry Rozier is the second coming of Michael Jordan, Right. He's a fine player in the regular season, but young, developing player still had his flaws. But my goodness, watching him during the playoffs, it's like he's a completely different player. I'm not being hyperbolic when I say this. I've never 
I can't remember seeing a player jump, make a jump from regular season to the playoffs consistently at this high of a level ever before. And you watch Terry Rozier. He's having an amazing playoffs. So my question to you is, have you, like, how do people in Boston, how do you, someone who has seen him throughout his entire career, how do you kind of contextualize this and what you're seeing from him? And what does his performance this postseason, what does that do to a potential long-term plan with Terry in Boston? I agree 100%. He is one of the most, you can't even put in the words. And, and we talked about this a little bit, too. I made a little bit of a comment to say, would Terry Rozier be doing this with any other teams this year in the playoffs? I'm not right. too sure. I do think Brad deserves a little credit, not only for playing him. We had to play him for injuries, but the way he plays them. But Rozier has been, been a guy since summer league where he just has that it factor, that ice in his right. veins where he, he hits game-winning shots, and he had that athleticism. So you knew if he could combine both, he had the potential to be a great player. But no, I never, ever saw – when they picked him 16, I didn't even know who he was, barely. And I followed the draft pretty heavily. I mean, I, I heard his name from Louisville. Um, right. Rick Pitino does pretty good with guards there. Obviously, Donovan Mitchell, we saw another one. But, no, I never thought he'd be at this level. I'm a little concerned long-term. It, it, he has, he's restricted, so I believe right. that we can match whatever offer. But why wouldn't a team offer him whatever they could to get him? Like, if I'm another team – I'm trying to get Terry Rozier on my roster because even though there is that Brad effect that he could leave and get a little worse, I think his athleticism, his overall skills, how they're similar to Kyrie Irving and just the type of point guard he is, is going to make him a potential elite point guard in the NBA for a long time. So I hope he stays here long term, but I think he's going to have to fly his wing, you know, grow and fly his wing somewhere else. I think he's going to have to go somewhere else to be the starter because I don't believe we're going to give up on Kyrie just because we have Rozier coming in. Once again, I'm joined by Tyler James. He's the host of the Celtics and Chill podcast. You're going to want to download, subscribe, and rate that podcast on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever else you listen to your favorite podcast. It's a really fun show, really fun if you're a Celtics fan especially, but if you're a fan of sports and pop culture and Boston sports as well, definitely want to check that out. And um, Tyler, man, you gave me the perfect segue. We were just talking about Terry Rozier. And, you know, one of the – and we talked about Danny Ainge a little bit earlier. And Danny Ainge has done an amazing job of drafting, developing talent. But it's a catch-22, right? Because at some point you're going to have to pay all these guys. And unfortunately for Boston, all of their young players are coming up, like essentially one year after another. So next year we just talked about Terry Rozier – entering restricted free agency and the year after that is going to be Jalen and then the year after that is going to be Jason and unfortunately Kyrie's deal is also up the same time as Terry's and Kyrie could be uh in line for Supermax but we know about Kyrie he has his injury issues and he's probably if everything does go well his max contract is probably going to be 90 to 100 million dollars more than Rozier's. So my question to you is, do you keep Terry Rozier long-term and then possibly kind of let Kyrie Irving go because of the injuries? Or are you like, you know what? We know what we have in Kyrie. We have another year for him to get himself back together. And if Terry is too expensive to resign, then you know what? We tip our cap to him and see him on his way. 
I'm definitely waiting as long as I can to make that decision if I'm Danny Ainge. I'm sure he agrees 100% about that. Um, if it wasn't for the knee injury, like you mentioned, it's an easy answer for sure. Uh, Kyrie, Kyrie, there, Rozier will never be Kyrie Irving. I mean, he'll right. only be Kyrie Irving if the knee, if the knee doesn't hold up. Rozier's going to be good, but no, I'm on the side of do whatever you take, whatever it takes to keep Kyrie Irving a superstar. He, they don't come along very often. We didn't give up much for him to get him. And I want him here long-term. I want to see how he plays with Gordon Hayward. I want to see how he plays with the rest of these guys because he adjusted his game this year and showed that he's willing to be a little bit more of a playmaker than, you know, a dominant, on the, a dominant hold the ball, ball stopper, which sometimes we do need. But um, as far as Rozier goes, I want, if I'm Ainge, I play it out as long as I can without making that decision. But I don't get rid of Kyrie. I'm not trading Kyrie for Kawhi, for example, to have Rozier step in as a starting point guard, especially next year when, realistically, we could be playing in the finals this year. Right now, it looks yeah. like, after game one, it looks like we have a pretty good chance of it. I'm not counting out LeBron yet, but we have a pretty good chance of it. Then you add Gordon Hayward. Then you add Kyrie Irving to this already one more year advanced Tatum, one more year advanced Brown, Al Horford playing amazing. And we can win it next year. And I, I absolutely think we can. So I'm holding on to Kyrie as as long as that knee injury doesn't, he's out for next season. You know, if that happens and he's out for next season, then I do think you're going to start thinking of the Rozier option. And if anybody's going to be, have the balls to do it, it's Danny Ainge. He would, he would trade Kyrie after trading IT for him. He would make the big move, but for right now, I'm leaning towards Kyrie over Rozier. You just have to, I think. I'm joined now by Tyler James. Follow him on Twitter. He's at Tyler James NBA. He's one of the hosts of the Celtics and Chill podcast. Really fun podcast for Celtics slash NBA fans slash Boston sports fans. Uh, check it out on Apple Podcast, iTunes, or wherever else you listen to your podcast. All right, so this will be my last question to you, Tyler. Um, you know, this whole year, has been built, you know, Houston versus Golden State. Like, can Houston, they've been essentially created just to stop the Warriors. And after seeing their game one performance on Monday, it doesn't look like they're anywhere close to doing it. Golden State seemed like they were just playing with them uh, for most of the game, and then they turned it up in the third quarter, and it was pretty much a done deal from there. And after that game, I tweeted out, I'm like, I don't know if any team can beat this Warriors juggernaut. But the closest team I'm thinking is a healthy Boston Celtics team. Now, obviously, this postseason, you guys are playing with house money. Everything is gravy because of the injuries. But because you guys are playing so well, is the thought starting to creep in your mind or the Celtics fans' mind that, you know what, next year, if we're right, we not only can we come out of the East, we can beat this Golden State Warriors dynasty, if you will. Well, let me ask you, who ended who ended their streak a couple of years ago? Who... Who, who's beat them at home more than anybody? Well, you know, even, you know, we were most, mostly full strength, but, and who supposedly when we had the Kevin Durant meeting and we, we brought Tom Brady, gave Durant our secret sauce on how to beat the Warriors. I think if any team in the NBA, and I'm being biased, maybe, but if any team in the NBA knows how to beat the Warriors, already a little bit of proven, it's the Boston Celtics. Now, they're not at full strength. So this year, <laughs> I'm not going to bet against them if they beat the Cavs. So, Right. I don't think they're going to beat the Warriors. Okay, fully healthy, absolutely. I think we have a great chance because of Stevens, because of our history playing against them. And even though it's a seven-game series compared to one, if any team's proven that we know how to beat the Warriors or at least can stay close to them, it's us. We ended that streak. We beat them. You know, I forget. We were one of the first teams to beat them, I think, at home compared to anybody. Home, yeah, yeah and, and it's just 
it's obviously Brad Stevens. It's obviously our tenacious defense. You know, we got a lot to throw at them. We got a lot to throw at any team. Fully healthy, I think we can beat them. And a little bit of his bias, but a little bit of his history, too. No, I actually don't think you're crazy at all for feeling confident. Again, this year is completely different, but if we're talking about a fully healthy Celtics team, I mean, you guys have, you know, everything that you would want to, to go up against um, to go on the state's roster. So, you know, we'll see, you know, next year, you know, a lot of can happen in one off season in one year as this season has shown us. And, you know, you guys still have work to do versus Cleveland, but you know, it's fun watching Boston, even though I'm a Nick fan and it hurts me to say this, it does. It is fun to see you guys kind of just build this, this contender, um, despite all the setbacks and obstacles you guys have had. So good luck to you once again, guys, I've been joined by Tyler James. Make sure you follow him on Twitter. He's at Tyler James NBA. Make sure you subscribe to his podcast, the Celtics and Chill podcast. He co-hosts. And he also does some dope stuff with Celtics Social on Twitter. So make sure you follow them for all you Boston fans all over the globe because you guys are all over the place, literally. Tyler, thank you so much, man, for joining me this week on the Quarterly Report. And if the Celtics continue to have a great one, I look forward to talking to you uh, later on down the road. Anytime, man. All right, guys. So we have three quarters down, meaning there's only one quarter left. It's our fourth topic this week. Fourth quarter. This week for our fourth story, honestly, it could have been number one um, because the spectrum of what the ruling in terms of legalizing sports gambling, it, it affects everything. Like, it's hard to really kind of put into perspective how this changes the entire landscape of sports in this country um i don't i don't think it's going to change things so drastic that it'll be hard to recognize but the the results like the ramifications of legalized sports gambling goes well beyond just your pockets and you know you're you're not having to have a bookie anymore right like this and I'm not even trying to discuss that topic because I am someone who doesn't gamble on sports. You know, I have like a maybe a friendly wager with a friend of mine. Like, OK, I bet you such and such goes further than your favorite team. Something like that, like a light little wager or like a fantasy league. Maybe I put some money on that, but I don't bet on games or, you know, title odds, stuff like that. That's, that's my brain ain't long enough for me to be doing stuff like that. So I'm not going to discuss kind of like the day to day um ramifications of having legalized sports but i want to talk a little deeper dive really into how this changes everything mark cuban the day that the judge overturned you know uh the ruling he was talking about how owners in the nba specifically how like their revenue like the the cost of their team the value of their team just skyrockets you know and obviously, Cuban is a forward-thinking man, obviously forward-thinking when it comes to his franchise, but just in business and understanding the marketplace, uh, he gets it. And the idea that all these NBA teams and baseball teams and NFL, I mean, the NFL, it's something completely different because the polls, like they, you know, they go hand in hand with Vegas. And, you know, they like to do the little nod, nod, wink, wink, you know, uh, we're too, you know, we're too uh, prestigious and clean cut to be dealing in Vegas. But we all understand that Vegas is one of the driving forces behind the NFL success. 
so the I mean you see that the Panthers they just sold for 2.2 billion dollars honestly that seems on the low end I know that's a record-breaking a uh, number for North American uh, sports team but considering all of this God only knows how much money every team that embraces it because baseball <laughs> I as a as someone who is not a fan of baseball it doesn't really bother me but I know people who enjoy the sport and it's got to be frustrating as a fan of baseball and you're like why are you guys so like tied to this old archaic way of thinking you know th- <laughs> life is moving forward okay like no matter what anyone or what you feel you can't stop time you can't stop evolution you can't stop progress and baseball seems so hell bent on returning to an older form an older way of life so they haven't really wrapped their arms around this this you know sports gambling which is crazy to me but you see the nfl and the nba they're all like adam silver he's like hell yeah let's do it michelle roberts and and he have already discussed about how they can monetize this for the players. And that's kind of where I want to dive in. Again, this, this, you know, the tentacles of sports gambling, they're in every sport, every American major sport now. Like, this is, this is a game changer. But I want to focus just on the NBA because, obviously, I'm a huge fan. And, 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 and the NFL as well. But what does this do? Because we've already heard Mark Cuban talk about how how much more profitable franchises will be just off of this alone, just the news alone. Imagine, imagine you can have, you could bet in the arenas, right? Where gambling is legal. You can have a sports book in the arena. Like it, your wildest dreams have no limitations when it comes to how a team, a smart team, a smart league, a smart organization, a smart owner, can can monetize this and it's, we're talking about real big money but because the nba and the nba's players association they seem to be on a lot stable a lot more stable ground we're talking about a potentially another leap in the cap you know we're just coming off the the salary cap boom from 2016 where all the the teams in the entire league got their hands on you know the um the TV deal, the new TV deal. And there was just this huge spike in the salary cap. And we saw, right, unfortunately, a lot of dumb teams. I'm a Nick fan. We absolutely fall in that column. <laughs> just go crazy with your money. And we saw teams like the Wizards who had a plan before the, the, the salary cap spike. They had a plan. They made moves to have cap space to sign a big-time free agent like a Kevin Durant or now Horford. But then everybody got salary cap money, and then the Wizards space, all the work that they did to clear up cap room was kind of rendered moot because everybody had cap space. And we've seen, you know, their disciplined organizations and their disciplined spenders, just like in real life, right? You get your tax return. There are people who put that away, invest, you know, maybe do some home improvement. And then there are people who buy televisions. And look, I'm not judging anybody because God knows most of my life, when I got some money, that money, fast money left me just as fast, right? <laughs> you know, but that that's something that exists, not just for everyday people, but for owners and 
you know, general managers and presidents of basketball operations. We saw it in 2016. And we're on the verge of probably seeing another spike. I don't know if it's going to be a $20 million spike like it was just a few years ago. But, damn it, it's going to be close. And I just wonder, we just finished talking with Tyler James in the Celtics about, you know, one of the gifts and the curse of drafting well. That's the gift. You get great young talent. But the curse is you got to pay that young talent when their rookie deals are up. But if the, sky, if the salary cap jumps another 18 to $20 million, we're talking about God knows what, what successful teams, successful teams in a huge sports market like Boston, what they'd pay to compete. You know, a lot of people you may have read or, or heard or seen on television, a lot of people kind of um, taking shots at Michelle Roberts and the Players Association for not wanting a smoothing of the salary cap. And this is precisely why you wouldn't want one, right? Because there's so much money coming in why would you want to limit how much money your players can get? Is there a bit of bad luck involved in what year you're up and what year you're not? Sure. I mean, but that's going to be the case regardless. But understand this. The NBA has been in business for decades. And they've had free agency now for decades. Okay? One thing that we know, there will always be dumb organizations. There will always be dumb owners. There will be always be dumb GMs, and they will always make dumb decisions when it comes to money. Like people thought, oh, man, 2016, that's going to hurt future players because so many players are getting this money that, you know, other guys who are, whose contracts are up a little bit later, they're not going to see that money. And I say, are you serious? J.J. Reddick just got a 23, he just got $23 million for one season in Philadelphia. That was this past year, okay? That wasn't a 2016 uh, contract. Tim Hardaway Jr. is making like $16 million annually. He signed his contract last year. Teams have trouble being frugal when it comes to spending money. Zach Randolph got a multi-year deal in Sacramento. Not like Zebo, but he's well past his prime. There's no reason for him to get the money that he got. So, again, that's the Knicks, that's the Kings, two really dumb organizations, but two really dumb organizations that have always existed, right, or have existed for a while. There will always be dumb organizations, but then it was Philly. Philly gave J.J. Redick $23 million, one of the smarter organizations. So it doesn't matter. When teams have money, it is difficult for them to say, you know what, let's pause. So why wouldn't? You want all the money when you could instantly. Why would you want a smoothing of the cap? Especially now, considering that there's probably going to be another jump. So imagine smoothing a cap and then getting another increase in revenue sharing. So then you have to smooth it some more. And there's a lack of trust when it comes to owners and the players. We know this. It's the, it's the case in every single sport. And for good reason. So why wouldn't people... Want the money. When you have the money available, why wouldn't you take it? It's like if you win the, the lottery and you you get the jackpot. You can get all the money you want then, or you can have little increments year by year. You want to know what? 80% of people who win the jackpot, they want their money straight up. Because there's no telling what happens tomorrow. Right? And we get that. We understand that. So, number one. 
I never understood why people were critical of the players for not wanting a smoothing of the cap. And number two, when this new money comes in, trust and believe it's coming. And we have no idea how high this money will come. Like, we don't know what the zenith is. We don't know what the peak will be. But it's coming. And when it does come, man, you better hope your organization and your team has learned from 2016. Because... They're going to be a lot of they're going to be a lot of players who are going to be up, and they're only a handful of LeBrons and Kevin Durant's and Steph Curry's. They're far more Jan Mahimi's, Joe Kim Noah, Timothy Mozgov's. Make sure your team doesn't end up spending 16, 18 million dollars on them as opposed to 30 million dollars on a legit game changer. But man, it's a it's a brand new frontier, and I'm excited. I'm excited, but petrified at the same time because again. I am a Nick fan. Hopefully you guys who are a fan of this show, I want to thank again Tyler James, special guest this week. He is the co-host of the Celtics and Chill podcast, really fun podcast. The Celtics are looking like gangbusters. So for all things Celtics, make sure you check that podcast out again on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or wherever you listen to your podcast. Celtics and Chill podcast. Make sure you check that out. I want to thank Tyler James again and thank each and every one of you all for listening to the show. Remember, get involved, interact with me. You can email me at quarterlyreport at gmail.com. That's quarterly, Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, report at gmail.com. And you can tweet at me. Tweet the show, your ideas, your thoughts. We're at quarterly show. That's Q-U-A-R-T-E-R-L-E-E, show on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts. Let me know what you think the NBA should do with the rising cap and how you know sports gambling will affect you personally or macro how it will affect your favorite team and your favorite league also if you guys don't mind head on over to apple podcast itunes google play stitcher spotify wherever you listen to podcasts listen to the show download it subscribe it and leave a great review five star reviews if you don't mind let me let your the world let your friends let everyone know what you think about the quarterly report All right, guys, we will see you back here next Thursday for another episode of the Quarterly Report. Until then, enjoy the playoffs and have a safe weekend.